welcome to series three of the Tim Hill podcast. In the last two series, I've told you about my life. I've met many interesting people along the way who have become my friends. And what they all have in common is they all have fascinating stories of their own, which they're happy to share with you now. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Tim Hill podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Ed. Ed, if you could tell us where and when you were born, and if you can describe what it was like, where you grew up, the sorts of education that you received, and the schools that you went to. Over to you, Ed. Thanks. Well, I was born in November 1947. It's showing off. Um, And I was born in Plymouth, in fact, although my family originally... Um, most of it comes from what we call Ditsum, what the rest of the people call Didisham, on the River Dart, just above uh, Dartmouth. Um, and I grew up going to school, uh, mostly in Plymouth, originally to the, the prep school of Plymouth College, and then subsequently to the, the, the Plymouth College, um, where I've stayed until I was 18, um, and went straight into the Navy from there. And when I joined the Navy then, I think there were five other members of my family, all serving. But uh, I think I'm the last surviving one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and did you go in as an officer? Did you go to Dartmouth, or did you go into as a, a rating? I went in um, on a, uh, a scholarship as a cadet entry, so entered as, as a midshipman. Excellent. So what was your time like at Dartmouth? It was initially a bit tough. It was it was different and uh, different from being at public school, but with some similarities. And you got you got used to it. And it was it was it was a very busy year. It's been called by some people the the, the golden year, nineteen sixty five entry. There there were more admirals who came out of that year than any other year before or since. So. It, it, it was quite a competitive, tough, uh, tough time. Amazing. And and just going back to your school days, you said you were public school. Did you go into the uh, combined cadet force at, during that, that time or the sea cadets? Yeah, it, it was practically compulsory in those days. Although um, the way it worked at that time was you everybody started in the army section and then after doing your basic year or so in the army section you could then choose if you wanted to join the the uh, the naval section or if you were really stupid the air force <laughs> <laughs> i guess the air force was still in its fairly infancy or, or it was quite highlighted after that after the second world war i suppose it was everybody wanted to be a uh, a pilot pilot yeah so you, did you choose to go into the naval section yes is that because you've got the, the family ties I guess so, and my father would have been pretty upset had I not. Um, so, uh, uh, yes, there is always a family influence on, on that side. And as I said, I had three cousins and two uncles serving in the Navy when I joined. Uh, well, all officers? Yeah, they were all of Well, not all of them started as officers, but all of them ended up as officers. And what was the highest rank that they got to in the family? Ah... Uh, I think I think there have been two or three commanders and one other captain, I think, out of that lot, yeah. Oh, so they didn't do too bad then? 
no admirals or no 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 first sea lords no first sea lords no admirals no okay so you come into your time at Dartmouth so you you'd gone through the the, the sea cadets and and I guess that's where you got some sailing in yes uh, um but the family's always you know much about in boats I mean my father wasn't a sailor but you know we there was always a boat around and uh, and he grew up with boats so I guess I did too. And was that down in Plymouth or was that around in Dartmouth? That that was um, that was mostly down in Plymouth. Um, my first ever sort of introduction to sailing was was on a boat called a Plymouth Drake, which is a sort of it's like a wayfarer really. And that was the first boat I ever sailed and uh, and learned the sort of basics of sailing around the Sound. Excellent. So your time at Dartmouth then. How was you say you say it was a bit tough to start with? How was that so? Well, it it, it was a different sort of environment. It was run very much like a sort of um, public school in some ways, um, but in other ways uh, there was quite a heavy academic push as well, and it was quite physical, uh, intentionally so. Uh, in those days, uh, you know, standard punishment was to uh, uh, if you did something minor wrong was to run up and down to Sankey a few times. And Sankey was 375 steps down to the river and 375 steps back up. So it, it, it had its moments. <laughs> OK, so how did you progress through? What was, what was your sort of second term like? Oh, the second term was sent, spent uh, at the, Dartmouth, the then Dartmouth Training Squadron, which was four frigates, um, which sailed together. Um, we went up. Uh, we did a, we did a, a sort of Scandinavian uh, circuit really, and went to most of the Scandinavian countries in in the sort of thirteen weeks you were on board. Um, and you were you lived and worked as a sailor. You slept at a hammock, um, and you did all the all the standard jobs. You also got some experience in you know navigation and um, Morse code and semaphore and all these things which were used in those days but now have rather disappeared. Yeah, I suppose with, with all the modern technology, it's not that required. No. I guess they still do Morse at sea um, to communicate on a sort of uh, a flotilla. Yeah, they, they, they do. And I, and I certainly learnt Morse code um, because, I don't know, you probably remember, but in those days... Um, even the, the, the navigation uh, depended quite a lot on being able to do moors. And certainly on the early um, offshore races I did, we used uh, Morse code uh, weather forecasts, which you, you could get in those days. And so you had to download the Morse code weather forecast from Canal and work out what it was going to give you. Well, that, that takes some doing. I don't, I don't think there's many people today that could do it. No, and I don't think I could do it now. I've forgotten it all. <laughs> so what was the last term like at Dartmouth? Last term, like, it, it started to become a bit, bit of fun then, and uh, I really um, enjoyed that because it was followed then by a midshipman's year, and I, I spent the first half of, of the midshipman's year was as a navigator on... Uh, a tonne class sweeper, um, which sailed around. Um, it was part of the fish squadron. It sailed around UK. You know, we followed, in those days. There used to be a naval uh, ship with, with the herring fleet, and it went all around UK and followed it around. It was a sort of support vessel for the herring fleet, and that was quite interesting because as a 
you were in charge of a, as officer of the watch at 18 and a bit years old at night at sea in the North Sea surrounded by trawlers. And, uh, and that would, could be quite exciting. Um, and that was the first half of the year. And the second half of the year, I spent on um, HMS Hermes, then a fully operational carrier. And she went from, I think we joined her in Gibraltar with uh, 10 of my term mates. And we stayed on her till right the way through, um, went through the Suez Canal, were stationed off Aden during the Aden uh, you know, really rough time in Aden. We were sent ashore in Aden on patrols and all sorts of things. So it was quite an interesting experience. And then went from there across the Pacific, ended up in Singapore. And we flew back from Singapore. So that, that was our measurements. Yeah, that was pretty exciting. And I'm still in touch with, interestingly, in the period of the, um, the lockdown and whatnot, uh, we people suddenly pop their heads up and I'm still in touch with uh, uh, with almost all of, of, of the uh, other um, midshipmen who were on that trip then. And, and we sent photographs to each other and whatever. And some of them certainly did better than, than, than I did because one of them ended up as the second sea lord, so they are. <laughs> <laughs> so just going back slightly, your time down in off um, Aden, I guess that was what, 63, 64? No, it was it was six it it would have been it would have been sixty-six that that we were in Aden. Um because we joined in sixty-five and this was sixty-six. Um yeah. but it was a fairly hot time down there and we certainly went ashore on blended with the army uh and whatever and saw quite a lot of uh, not action on our behalf, but they they actually gave us loaded weapons, which is a very silly thing to do, really, if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, midship with a loaded weapon. Yeah, it doesn't bear thinking about, really. So, yeah, because when did we get kicked out? It was about 67, was it? Yeah, it, it was about 18 months later than that. But but in those days, you know, that we flew, well, Hermes was flying every day, putting aircraft over uh, Aden, Day and night, virtually. Yeah, that was a, a pretty rough time down there. So you ended up in Singapore. Did you get a run ashore before you were getting flown back, or was we, it um, cut short? We did. We did. I foolishly went on a on on a on a ship's divers course out there, which which was quite interesting in in itself. And uh, and then all of us got um, pulled together um, to be <coughs> part of a trial for what was called. We didn't even know what it was. It was wet winching, which was the first time that they tried pulling people out the water with helicopters, whirlwinds in those days. And we were sent out in the in, in the the bay off Singapore in little rubber dinghies, and they they tried to do day and night wet winching, picking us up out the water, which was which was more akin to going water skiing than being rescued. Really. <laughs> Yes, because there's an awful lot of downdraft, <laughs> even from a small helicopter. Yeah. And, and and was that successful from your point of view, or, or was it just you know, scary? Or Put me off helicopters for quite a long time, because the first helicopter I ever flew in uh, was at Dartmouth, which was a whirlwind, and that crashed while I was in it. Um, and just to prove it wasn't just a coincidence, 
while we were out in Singapore, um, I ditched in a, a wasp as well in, in very shallow water, fortunately. So after that, I was very wary of helicopters for a long time. <laughs> Makes two of us. I've not had a great time in helicopters. I spent my last tour of Afghanistan just flying around the whole of Helmand. And um, oh, it's just a, I hate getting into the, the, the Chinooks. They're just hot, noisy, dusty. That put me off flying a lot. And then I got into a, it was a Lynx. And um, we were flying around Natalie area. And um, all of a sudden, the, the pilot's gone into one. And he's throwing this thing all around the sky. And it turns out that we were being targeted by some sort of radar-guided um, missile. Yeah, fortunately, it didn't go off and hit us. But, um, yeah, put me off flying for a long time. So, moving on then. You came back from Singapore. What was your next draft after Hermes? We went straight to the Royal Naval Engineering College, um, which was at Manadon in Plymouth in those days. Um, we did four years there, three years of a degree course. Um, it was about the first time they did a degree course, um, and uh, which was moderated from, from London instead of you know anything the Navy did. And then after that, we did what they called a year's application course, which was sort of specialising in whatever you were going to end up in and, uh, and learning a bit about more practical engineering. So it was a four-year stint, which was very good for other things because, you know, I like to ski. I like to sail properly on uh, decent boats. They, they had some very nice uh, uh, yachts down there, but they also ha had some... Uh, a load of dinghies and whatnot that we we raced in. That's when I first started racing, really. Okay, so so this was a four year course that they could have condensed down into what two years. So you had two years of of doing what adventurous training. <laughs> I I don't know. It, it it this this was when the navy had just decided that all engineers were going to have to be educated to degree level on engineer officers. <laughs> And, and it was moderated, as I said, by London University, in fact. So that was a sort of set syllabus, and you had to do that. And it was only really the final year that you spent doing what you would call engineering. It was prior to that, it was an academic, uh, in my case, mechanical engineering degree. Okay, so where did, what did you specialise in at the end? I always wanted to be a mechanic, uh, mechanical rather than an electrical engineer. And... I was very keen to avoid the submarine service, which was recruiting heavily at that time. So I avoided that draft as well. So I ended up as a surface ME um, officer. Okay, so you didn't fancy submarines at all. Did you end up in submarines at all? No. You managed to avoid that no, totally? Never spent any time. So you're on slightly less money then than the submariner? Yes, that hurt a bit, but, you know, there were compensations. <laughs> So after four years of um, adventurous training and uh, a little bit of engineering, where did you get your next draft? What was your first draft after completing that course? It was HMS Ark Royal, uh, the carrier. Um, and I joined there as a unit officer, um, which was, which was a, an interesting job because it's a, they were big ships. And if you were running a unit as an engineer officer, you ran the same machinery as, as a complete frigate. 
you know, you had a boiler room, an engine room, and all the other bits and pieces that went really evaporators, and that was it. And I was a watchkeeper on there um, for two best part of two years, and then I did a short stint at the end on the flight deck as a flight deck engineer officer, um, which was interesting and different, uh, but not really uh, my my. 14. <laughs> <laughs> Having had that little run in with helicopters previous. Yeah. So where did you go on on Royal? We went all, I went all over the place with those out to the States on several occasions um, and down to the Med, uh, not to the Far East on her. Um, but uh, it, 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 she, she was at sea most of the time, well, Towards the end of my time there, she came back and we went into refit. And that's when I left. Okay, did you do the Caribbean with her at all, or was that not on the cards? Not on her, but subsequently uh, I went straight from her to another ship, which was based in the Caribbean. So what was that ship? <laughs> that was Nubian, one of the tribals. And in those days, we used to keep a tribal craft frigate on station. In uh, It was the Wigs, the West Indies guard ship. Um, and I did two nine-month tours back-to-back, -back, uh, which was interesting, having just got married, but um, um, spent 18 months in the Caribbean uh, on her as the deputy engineer officer. All oh, right. So did you, did you get much time alongside, or was it... Oh, so... yes, yes. A, <laughs> a cocktail party every three days was the target, I think. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. So, so the old uh, mess undress got a bit of a hammering, didn't it? Oh, did it ever? <laughs> so, having spent all that time down the Caribbean, having just been married, so what? Um, what drew you back? Well, <laughs> and um, fortunately or not, um, Nubian became a, a Scottish-based ship, and um, so we moved lock, stock, and barrel at our first home. It was a married quarter. Uh, up in Rosyth, and that was our, our first home, really. The ship went up there and went into a short refit, so that, that was the end of my time. Yeah, it's a, a bit of a change from the Caribbean yeah. to Scotland, yeah. Yes. We, 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 we were very lucky because I actually left the ship in Trinidad in uh, October, and when I rang up the appointer, uh, um, to find out what my next job was. He said, I'm going to send you on the lieutenant's course, but I can't get you in the, till the one that starts in January. And so I said, well, what do you want me to do? And he said, you can do what you like as long as you turn up in January. And basically, Jenny, my wife, flew out and we spent three months floating around the, uh, the Caribbean and learnt a lot about the Caribbean, uh, um, waiting to uh, come back to UK. All right, so well, you 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 uh, chartered a boat down there and sailed, or no, we didn't. We we spent a lot of time sitting on beaches and going to find <laughs> <laughs> but we travelled around a lot of the islands, um, which actually came back interestingly because my very last job in the navy um, was as the defence attaché for the that region, the Caribbean and and northern South America, and uh, we went back to all those places again, but many years later. Okay, so you came back uh, in the January to, to Scotland. Yep. And started what course? The lieutenant's course. The lieutenant's course, which was based at Greenwich, yeah. We, we left our married quarter up there and came down to Greenwich. 
And that was quite a long course at that time, was it? No, it, it, it wasn't. It was, it was. I think it was. Well, it started in the January, and I think it finished in the in the beginning of June. It was. A, it was about a four and a half month course. All right. So you came off the course with with flying colours and <laughs> and your promoted lieutenant. So, yes. So what was your draft after being uh, becoming a lieutenant? Straight after. Um, well, well, I'd been a lieutenant in in the um, in the tribal. So really, I was um, looking around. I didn't know where I was going to go after that. Um, and eventually, I went back to sea in another carrier, and this time in, in Bulwark as, um, as the deputy, um, what, what they call in, in those days the senior engineer, the, the second uh, in engineering officer. So went back to her and did three years in Bulwark. So I went all over the place in her. Okay, so... Bulwark was was another aircraft carrier. Yep, because because the latest Bulwark is um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, heli- a helicopter carrier, but th- this one was a fixed wing one, uh, although not very um, very fixed wing. By the time I went to serve on her, because she'd had a major um, boiler room fire, and she couldn't go fast enough to launch big aircraft, so basically she was a sort of helicopter carrier most of the time. Um, but we, but she was still operational. Did 18, 20 months on her, fully operational, and then she came back and was eventually decommissioned. Decommissioned, yeah. And I, and I ended up as the last serving. You know that always happens to engineer officers. I was the, the the senior officer because you're the last one left. Yeah, last one turns the lights yeah, out they, before they they cover up for razor blades. They they did. <laughs> so your time on Bulwark, where where did you go? Did you have any memorable runs ashore with her? At Bulwark, um, I'm, 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 I don't, don't really. Oh yes, I, I was going to, going to say that, but the time, times have gone past. We, we, we went to New York with her, and that was that. But I also went to New York in Ark Royal, which was even more exciting, and actually anchored in Ark Royal in off Staten Island. Oh wow! And famously. Broke off the moorings in the middle of the, uh, the the official cocktail party with everybody virtually from the president down coming to the ship, and we drifted <laughs> down the river, and they all came out chasing us. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody realise? <laughs> who, what happened to the officer with a watch? They did realise, and. Uh, for, Fortunately, we still had steam on, and so we just actually ended up going out to sea. They never got their cocktail party, but it was it was quite spectacular. Well, you didn't class that as part of the uh, the entertainment. No, 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 I think I think they were pretty disappointed. But we 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 went back in again, and I think we had a, a sort of second stab at it. But it was never quite the same. <laughs> <laughs> So did they have to lift the precedent off and stuff like that, or was it? Was it? No, but the famous thing that happened because we had um, uh, Focas, which was the flag officer carriers in those days, a full uh, vice admiral on board, and he'd come with all his um, all the tr- traditional silver and whatnot that they get from the trophy store, you know, ready to be laid out for the cocktail party and everything like this. So he he'd had a whole bunch of this. And during the, the minor panic of sliding out of the harbour, not attached to anything, with no tugs, um, someone picked up all the gash bags full of silver and dumped them over the side. That's outrageous. 
<laughs> I bet he wasn't happy. Did they catch the culprit? I don't know, but the Admiral was not happy. <laughs> he wasn't a happy man anyway. <laughs> <laughs> having, having, run a, having run out to sea <laughs> unexpectedly, yeah, I can imagine. So where do we get to now? So you, you're now a fully-fledged lieutenant. You've been on Bulwark. Yeah, Bulwark, I was promoted two and a half on Bulwark. And then um, I came back and did a shore job on gas turbines and whatnot, on, which was an interesting job looking after um, what, what was then the, the, the um, gas turbine team who went round, because gas turbines were still fairly new, and we went round doing the inspections on gas turbines for all the ships all around the world. And we flew around the world, but, but my, mostly my team did. Occasionally I went. Gas turbine life inspections uh, and changes of gas turbines on all the ships all over the world, including the Japanese ones, incidentally, because they bought their engines from Rolls-Royce as well. Oh, blimey. So that was actually sort of working under the auspices of what Rolls-Royce were delivering. Uh, yeah, basically. So you, yeah. you're just working on all naval vessels from, from different countries, I guess. Well, it, it, it was mostly confined to us, and I think the Japanese were the only ones who were in this agreement at the time. That must have been interesting going on to the Japanese ship. I never did it. My, the team went, and I, just one of those things, I never got to go on one, but, um, but, but they told stories about it. <laughs> you'll, have to, you'll have to talk to them to get their stories. <laughs> <laughs> so, your, your next draft after that, then? That was... That, that would have been... Uh, after um, subject, so I then went to um, a Type Forty Two Glasgow. I've left something out, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, I mean, there, there, there was there was a messy period of the Falklands in there as well, actually, which I did on a on a Type Twenty One. Um, oh, and, well, let's 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 go back to the Falklands. So, what what year was this now then? Well, eighty. So I got those in the wrong order. That not very clever. Ambuscade. Uh, I was in her as the um, MEO in Ambuscade for 18 months. And she, at the end of that, there was, we, we did the um, the sort of East Africa patrols in her and came back through that, but were then turned left at Gibraltar and told to go down to the Falkland Islands where apparently something was going to happen. And uh, and so we went down and joined in that. I spent that the whole of the, that, the, the, that business and at the end of that, I came back and went to on the staff at Portland as a sea rider. What was your actual role down in in the Falklands? Well, that, that was during the conflict. In yeah, she, yeah, she was. I, she, she, she was one of the one of the frigates. Yeah. Was she in Stanley Bay when the Sheffield copped it? We were not in the bay when Sheffield uh, when Sheffield. That was before we got there. We were um, just astern of. Glamorgan, when Glamorgan was hit by an exocet um, later on, which was uh, as near as we got to the, the really hot end of the action. So is there any, anything that sticks out in your mind at that time when, when you were down there? I didn't want to go back and live in the Falklands. <laughs> <laughs> it all calmed down by then. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on then, let's, let's, let's bring it a bit more up to date. What happened after the Falklands? Um, after the Falklands, I, I spent some time on the, um, as I said, as a sea rider at, at, at um, Portland, which was basically bringing the people coming through up to date post the Falklands uh, conflict. And then that was only a fairly short period because from then I went to the job with the 
the uh, I got that out of sequence. I went to the job with the uh, gas turbine team, which was a different job. So after the gas turbine team, then uh, after the gas tur- turbine team, I did a, I did a bit of uh, time in um, around the sort of uh, the the engineering um, and training uh, department, second sea lords department, and then went from there. I should have written all this down, really, from there. And then where did I go straight from there? I've been to Glasgow. Uh, I, I went up, oh, I, I went and did the, the staff course, which which is, you know, a prerequisite, more or less. I, I was selected for commander and I went and did the staff course at Greenwich, which was interesting, as it turned out, um, and completed the staff course and then went initially up to standby building the new HMS Sheffield, which replaced the one that was sold as the senior officer. And that was interesting, particularly for me, because uh, this is a story that may, you may have to scrub out later, but it's true. <laughs> um, that, that when we came to do sea trials at the end of uh, commissioning, and I stayed with her for two years up there uh, in Newcastle. It's bad for your health, that. Um, <laughs> two years in Newcastle, and then... Um, at the end of that time, we were starting to do sea trials. And on the first morning of sea trials, we were due to go out. And, and the, the proper captain was due to join and uh, uh, to take over uh, from me as the senior officer handing over to, to the captain. And I got a phone call at half past seven in the morning from the Navy pointer, you know, the boss appointer. Yeah. And he said, uh, how's things going? And I said, fine, sir. You know, waiting for Captain to turn that sort of thing. And he said, he's not coming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And the, it turned out that the, that the designated captain had had a change of heart about uh, what he wanted to do in life and resigned uh, the day before. And, uh, and so he said to me, you all right then? And I said, yes. And he said, well, carry on. So I became the first engineer, as far as I know, I became the first engineer officer to be the senior officer uh, of a, a naval warship on trials. We had a trials master, which was, a, which was obviously from, from Swan Hunters, the yard, who actually did the, the, the ship handling end of it. But the rest of it was mine, and I went right through sea trials, which was a, a very interesting experience for an engineer, um, as uh, basically as as the ship CEO, and then eventually at the end of sea trials, the the proper uh, next captain, they'd found one, turned up and took over, and I left fairly shortly afterwards. Oh, it's a shame you didn't get promoted to captain and take it on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was ever going to happen. <laughs> So you you left uh, the the very brand spanking new Sheffield. Yeah, brand spanking new. Um, um, uh, no, the, the, this was um, uh, uh, this was um, yeah a replacement um, for, for uh, Sheffield. So she was a uh, it was a it was a twenty two new one, and uh, uh, and it was Glasgow. Uh, this one was Glasgow. In fact. And um, she went, eventually, she still is in, the, in Romania. I went out, meant some years later, when she was decommissioned and sold to the Romanians, we all went out uh, and handed her over to the Romanians. And she's, I think she's called the 
King Frederick III or something now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so coming on then. You've been right through the, just about right through the career. I came back and did a, a, a another staff job. Um, and then in the middle of that, or towards the end of that, I again got one of these weird phone calls, this time from from uh, Jeremy Black, who was the second sea lord, saying, um, we've got a, we're moving people around a bit at the moment and uh, we need a commander at Greenwich. Do you fancy it? Because you've got to go and live there if you're going to do it. And I said, can I ask my wife first? And he said, yes, but I want to know today. <laughs> <laughs> so always today they want to know, or yesterday. <laughs> so that... that and that that was that was a super job. Um, we 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 lived in Greenwich, in a grace and favour massive grace and favour uh, royal apartment uh, for three years. It was a busy job as the commander, and we had our neighbours were the second sea lord in one one apartment and the chief of the defence staff in the other. Um, so uh, it, it it was it was a nice time, busy time. Obviously, mixing the right circles. Then you you did get to meet. Quite a lot of interesting people. <laughs> Your time there at Greenwich. So what, what was the actual job that you did? I was commander of the college, which meant that, that I sort of on, ran, ran the college on a day-to-day basis. And there were other units within the college. You know, there was a staff course and there was a, uh, there was a joint service staff college. And there was the nuclear department, all of whom actually made up the college. But I ran the, the sort of support organisation entirely and looked after all the sort of functions and whatnot, which we did a lot of. It was a requirement to do functions as part of, because it's a royal palace, uh, as the parliaments, and we did all sorts of things. We did ones for uh, Yeltsin, did a dinner for Yeltsin. We did dinners for all sorts of people. Um, all, all the prime ministers, most of the ministers came down at one time or another. So it was pretty busy. Because they've got that fabulous, fabulous dining hall there, the haven't they? The painted hall, yeah. That's the painted hall, yeah. And I believe that now the college is all closed and everything, they, they've maintained that as, as part of the, I guess it's a museum now. That they yeah, I think it, it was partly taken over by the um, by the, by the, the, the Maritime Museum and partly taken over, this is the college after my time, and partly taken over by Greenwich University. And there's also the chapel, which is particularly attractive. And we... We did quite a lot of, while I was there, we made quite a lot of movies. It was one of the ways we raised extra income. We did uh, Patriot Games, big chunk of Patriot Games. Um, we did four weddings and a funeral. One of the weddings and the funeral, if you look closely, we're in it. My wife and I are in the congregation. Um, <laughs> did, did you get a mention in the, the credits? No, but we did get to go to the uh, uh, the, the, the premiere when... Uh, when he turned up with the, with, with the, his girlfriend, this is um, uh, wearing the, the famous dress held, held together by safety pins. You must have seen the pictures at one time or another. Gold safety pins. <laughs> yes, I have. Okay, so now you come to the end of your time at the college. What, yes. Uh, where did you move on to? I went out to Brussels um, as on the NATO staff in Brussels, partly at Shape and part, partly up in Brussels. And I went out there on the NATO... Um, planning and political wing, which was another nice job because you travelled around all the NATO countries a couple of years. I, I was sorry, really. I got promoted captain and pulled back, but I only did. <laughs> I'd have happily stayed. It was a really great job. 
So promoted captain at that time. What what year was this? That would have been about uh, two thousand. Uh, no, not not uh, a bit earlier than that. About ninety eight. I think nineteen ninety eight. I think it was captain. I came then came back, did my last job as uh, captain of the port. In fact, what they then called director infrastructure of the naval yard here, and captain of the port. So that was interesting because I had the pilots and everything came under my sort of area of interest, um, which is a bit different for an engineer. So so you effectively was in charge of um, there was a, a naval base at Portsmouth? No, no, there was a naval base commander um, who, who was a, a, a commodore who had the whole thing. I had the, the what they called the infrastructure side. So it was all the, the buildings and all that, those bits and pieces, and some of the... Things like the police and the you know the, the mod police and the uh, health service and uh, bits and pieces like that. So all that stuff. Oh, I see. So he's effectively the estate manager. Yes. For the for the whole of the that, naval that, base. That, that's a good way of describing it, really. And that was your last job in the navy. Ah, uh, yeah, really. So that that brings uh, you. Oh no, no, no! Sorry, it wasn't really, was it? After that, that was when uh, for my last job, we went out to. Well, fir- firstly, the appointer said, "Do you want to go? On, uh, you know, would you like to go abroad again?" And I said, "Yes." Well, we said yes, and he said, "Well, there's." you know, some attaché jobs coming up, what do you fancy? And initially, he suggested I might go to Greece, which I'm glad I didn't, because they shot the one who went out there. Uh, <laughs> That's a bit antisocial. Yeah. Yes, it was. And um, and then he then I st- was going to go to Spain, and then they changed the format for that uh, when I was halfway through learning Spanish at a somewhat advanced age. And both Jenny and I a year's worth of Spanish. Um, we're still more or less fluent. And then they opened up another job uh, towards the end of that and said, we're not going to have you, know, you, you in Spain. You can go out to Venezuela and look after a patch of countries out there, so, which was basically all the Spanish-speaking islands in the Caribbean. So back to Caribbean experience. Plus Ecuador, Panama... Cuba and sometime in Colombia and we lived in in Venezuela so that was fascinating and we did four years of that blimey and that takes you up to retirement I guess yes yeah yeah no I was I was well over normal for retirement I was 58 59 when I retired crikey so what we'll do is we'll we'll call it a day at that one and then what we'll do is if if you're up for it we'll move on to your sailing career yeah yeah So thank you very much, Ed. Thanks for listening and look forward to the next one.